Hi, welcome to Suplex the Sticks, a gaming podcast hosted by David and Seth. Hello. And Forrest. Howdy. How's it going, fellas? It goes. This week I am drinking a Sam Adams winter lager. Mm. It's festive and smooth, says the bottle. It is festive and smooth. Uh, I had a couple of those at Thanksgiving. They're good. Um... They're solid. The Fezziwig ones are bad, though. They're bad. I love the Fezziwig. Mm. Really? Oh, well, I thought no. it was great. I think I I've only ever had the Oktoberfest. I... Mm. That's fine. Eh, I like it. The winter lager is fire. That's winter, actually, but it's... <laughs> okay. Um, There's the fire, fire is... in winter. The fire There's is so fire. delightful. Well, you have a fireplace. Okay. Um, so, I... <sighs> I desperately want to talk about video games with my friends, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but let's not. Let's talk about something else. Either of you watched the uh, Beatles documentary on Disney Plus? No, because I don't care about the Beatles. No. Okay, so it's really good. Uh, I do like a good documentary. I don't really like the Beatles that much either, uh, but watching musicians figure songs out is really satisfying, <laughs> especially when you see them start with, like, nothing. And then they're just diddling about figuring things out. Yeah. It's great. Uh, I wish there was... My segue for that is I wish there was more documentaries about game design. And I... Agreed. ...would like that because uh, I have this... Marianne and I are watching this three-episode, like, it's ten hours long of them doing this record together in this extraordinary time crunch. And you're watching these people that are, uh, whether or not you like them a lot, they're masters of a craft. um, And uh, you get to see them really working at something. And I would love to watch game designers do stuff like that. Like, I like watching people play games like that, like during SGDQ and stuff. Yeah. Um, But we don't have too many documentaries out there about game design. Um, I imagine it's probably a bit less compelling watching someone code. Yeah. Sure, but, like, there's I'm, so many, like, stories you hear about, like, behind-the-scenes game design stuff of, like, why certain things turned out the way they did or, like, why yeah, they just completely scrapped. A lot of those are usually scrapped. really bad. I would love <laughs> well, to get those right. documented, though. They, I mean, it, would really be, it, it would really be a true <laughs> crime doc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, jeez. Yeah. I know Xbox we, has that uh, documentary series that they're coming out with this month. I don't know if that's dropped yet. Uh, yeah, all six episodes are out, um, and they they go through the history of Xbox. Yeah. So that, that, that'll be interesting. I need to watch that. Same. Um, I've been too busy playing games. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, between that and watching the several hour-long episodes of this Beatles documentary. Uh, Less episodes, more movies, really, you know? Right. It is essentially three movies. Um, But let's let's talk about video games. Um, I have been playing two things. (laughs) One of them on my cellular device... (laughs) And one of them on my Xbox Series X. Uh, one, I've been playing Rocket League Sideswipe like there's no tomorrow, which is the mo- the latest release mobile Rocket League. Uh, it is a side-to-side version of it, so it, there's no 
3D space to move around in. Uh, and it is very fun and very good. And I am actually getting really high in the ranks. Um, I'm like middle of gold for every game mode in it. Uh, nice. And it's it's really fun. I'm enjoying myself. It's a great little time waster. Um, the rounds, the matches are two minutes long. And there's no microtransactions in it uh, as of now, which is kind of dope. So I fully recommend checking that out. Um, part of me selfishly wishes there was a version of this on the Switch, but alas, uh, there is actual Rocket League on the Switch, so that's probably not going to happen. Darn. Um, yeah. Uh, but um, that's with that said, um, I've been playing Halo Infinite a lot. We love it. This game is built for me. Specifically, Agreed, almost. actually. It, like, is, is there to target me. Do you want an open world with uh, not too many icons to go to? Yes. Do you love Halo? Yes. Do you like swinging around? Do you like grapple hooks? <laughs> Boy, do I. Big yes. Capitals, exclamation marks everywhere. Yes, please. Uh the grapple hooks make you feel the grappling hook makes you feel like a god. Uh especially when you upgrade it all the way. Oh yes. Uh I'd argue that I think I like the grappling better in Halo Infinite than I do like in all the Batman Arkham games. Yeah, no, it's way better. It's way better. Because you get to grapple directly to enemies. Um to a hilarious effect at certain points. <laughs> yes. Uh Seth, I tried to grapple to a hunter. Uh, Sometimes the detrimental today. effect. And so they, if you upgrade your grapple hook enough, um, you can add like a Superman punch to it, and it lets you uh, like send a shockwave. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Superman punch this hunter. This is going to be great. Uh, and I, I went to do it, and he just punched me back and killed me in one <laughs> shot once yeah. I got close that, enough. Those hunters are brutal, man. Yeah. In hindsight, uh, you could probably have expected that to happen. Yeah, but the, the grappling hook does add, like, uh, it adds a level of mobility to the game that wasn't there before. So getting around hunters is way more fun and satisfying and interesting um, because you can essentially position yourself to just grapple behind them and they don't whip around fast enough and i uh, sometimes they do whip around fast enough. they always whipped around fast enough mm. for me i never I, like there was only one hunter in the entire game that i was able to use my tried and true hunter strategy on of just circling around them punching them and shooting them in the back uh that only worked on one hunter in my entire playthrough mm. every other one just slammed me into the ground so we may have gotten too far ahead um, I mean, Halo Infinite has been marketed a crazy amount, but um, Halo Infinite is the traditional Halo gameplay with an, an open world point of view. Um, you, the first two missions are uh, linear story missions, and then it sets you out into the open world at which you have the choice to do multiple uh different things whether it be get upgrade points for master chief or go liberate bases so that you have fast travel points 
Um, or you could just do straight story missions, which is entirely possible. Um, in my opinion, probably highly difficult because you do kind of need to level Master Chief up a little bit uh, to make his shield a little better. And um, it's, it's definitely something that I recommend. Um, mainlining the campaign may prove difficult, especially with the boss I just ran into where I was like, oh man, this would be brutal if I hadn't collected every single thing. Um, you know, it's, it's just how it goes. Um, but I, I am loving this game. Uh, I'm loving the, the writing, the graphics. Uh, the writing genuinely is such a joy. Uh, these grunts and uh, elites and everything out brutes all of them are all hilarious and so well written um just fantastic lines of dialogue where they're yelling at you or like oh god he's here and uh, i really thought at one point that guardians was going to be like uh one of my favorite things favorite video games written this year um because the writing in that is so tight and very good um, and Halo is is really giving it a run for its money with some of its in-world writing. Um, fantastic lines. Um, but it's <laughs> it's good. The they're, the enemies are brutal if they kill you. They make fun of you. Oh, it's, so much. It's delicious. It hurts. Uh, but I, I'm about halfway through the campaign. I don't want to... I'm not giving any spoilers at all. Uh, cause it, it, there's a lot of special stuff in the world that I feel like people should experience for the first time. Uh, especially cause this is an open world game. So some of the fun is kind of stumbling upon things. Yes. And, um, taking away some of those special moments I feel is a real detriment to, I don't want to do that to someone. So I love the game. It is fantastic. Uh, I'm going to ask Forrest now what he feels, because he apparently uh, has beaten it. Yes. Um, I I am extremely positive on this game. The only I only have, like, two problems with it. One was, like, a system thing where some, uh, like, gameplay scenarios or enemies were not loading in properly, so I could not progress in some main missions um, in the moment, so I would have to, like, quit out of the game, come back into it, reload it. This game does have known issues with quick resume so it wasn't even that but yes yeah, oh, so, okay like it was like i would complete an objective and then just nothing would happen it wouldn't let me like open a door or something or it i mm. would have to clear all the enemies in an area it would tell me like i would i'd kill all the enemies in the area except for one that is locked behind a door that i need to kill everyone in the area to get the door opened oh, okay. um so like stuff like that um and then the only other complaint i really have is just um the lack of varied scenery it's all very beautiful i love it it looks fantastic and it feels like i'm re-experiencing uh like back in halo one when you first land on halo it's like that for a whole game and it's beautiful it's one of the best looking games i've ever like i've ever experienced um but as someone like who has been playing through every single halo game 
like multiple times this year. Um, Each of those games has a more varied um, aesthetic to it, level by level, than Infinite does. But the writing and the gameplay outshine most other Halos, to be honest. But you're, on those ones, you're not on a ring the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Like, the ring is... Okay, I, I understand what you're saying. But, like... Like, there, there's a precedent in the series for varied locations. But Infinite, because it is... Uh, like, it is a very big-scale game. But the, like... If you take in, like, the story area, it is technically a smaller Halo experience. Because it's not as... You're not traveling across, like... The galaxy, you know? Right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it... Like I said, those are the only two problems I have with it. The gameplay is fantastic. The writing is fantastic. I have never really cried in a Halo game before. I, like, teared up at a few moments in Infinite. Like, it, it's the best written 343 game, and I would argue it's one of the best written Halo games in general. Like, that extra year in the oven for infinite really did help like it probably fixed any problems that it kind of had uh before the delay like it it's such an amazing experience even if you don't generally like halo but you like shooters or something like that like give infinite a try it's on game pass you don't have to pay full price for this if you don't want like just go it have like just try and have a fun time with it because it's very easy to have a fun time in it. Yeah, meaning it in its own terms is, it, like it's it's definitely doesn't ask too much of you to to start and then um, it's great to just have that slow, like you can go as fast or as slow as you want to with all of the. The exploration and everything. Yeah. Like, um, I I did the first two or three story missions, and then I explored the entire playable world to me. I did... Uh, I found as much of the collectibles as I could, freed as much of the bases as I could, like, did all the side content before continuing on with the main missions. And that was the majority of my playthrough. Like, it, it takes a lot of fo- the time, but, like, I didn't feel like it dragged ever i like i had a good time the entire time you know man it's uh it's it's really fun uh the one thing so seth the one thing that's very interesting about this game is that the story starts six months after the end of halo 5 and uh i guess my one question to forrest is do they fill in that six month gap because they allude that a lot of stuff has happened in that six months uh at the parts where i'm at but they haven't explained what happened yeah not really the only (laughs) (laughs) um, which i i think maybe not great maybe it's maybe not great but also just gotta read the books brother um but also i think part of that will be because they will probably end up doing story DLC or expansions or something. Hmm. Um, just given the way maybe that... Maybe it's in the audio logs. There is a lot of stuff in the audio logs, but a lot of that is mostly just, like, the like the aftermath of 
the first cut scene of the game where the you uh where the infinity is being attacked and like they're crashing on Zeta Halo like most of the audio logs are just filling in like what happens after everyone crashes and lands um there are a few here and there that are like banished lore stuff or like ring lore stuff um with like some monitors and whatnot but most of the stuff that it does fill you in on is just like what certain characters were doing after they crash landed and uh what chief did before he zoned out or you know gets messed up at the beginning of the game yeah yeah the game does start with it's a mystery. Master Chief getting bodied. Just absolutely <laughs> slammed. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of devastating. Um, also, yeah, because you don't really ever see Master Chief getting beat up like that. No, it, it does start with you getting bodied, which I think is a pretty good establishment of stakes. Actually, yeah, like I haven't I haven't felt stakes like this since I think like Halo Two. I'd say when it comes to Halo, like because. Like, the only thing that I would say Mir, like, is close enough in level to it is Reach, but you already know what happens with Reach by the time, like, that game came out. So, like, there, (laughs) so, like, the stakes aren't really there. Um, I would love to talk to someone that didn't know how Reach was going to end and they played Reach. (laughs) I. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I mean, we talked about Halo Reach alone so, on the show. So I don't know if we brought up that theoretical, but... That's fair. Um, uh, I just know that when I played through that game the first time, I was just in shock the whole time because that was the first... One of the first experiences I ever had with a piece of media where the entire main cast just got wiped. Uh, like, I... Up until that point in my life, I hadn't really experienced much of that uh, in media. <laughs> so I was just in shock the whole time. Not Buck. Not Buck. He survived. Somehow Buck survived. Somehow Nathan Philly Buck baby. survived. <laughs> Wait, Buck also was in Reach, Jun. right? Yeah. Jun also survived. Yeah, but uh, nobody likes him. He's the least interesting member of Noble Where did Jun go? Yeah, he had, he uh, had he, the least personality. He went off and did some... He, he basically, I think, tra- trained I mean, you can't spoil if force. he like, shows up. No, he doesn't show up in Infinite, which I guess is a spoiler. I don't know. Um, It's not a spoiler because he doesn't show up. It doesn't spoil anything. Um, But I think Jun went on to basically help kickstart the Spartan 4 program. Mm. Yeah. Okay. If I'm remembering The only thing I need to know, like, is, is Locke addressed at all of this? Okay, by you, the other Spartan you play as in Halo 5. <laughs> That's He's mentioned in an audio log. Oh, well, there you go. Great. <laughs> all right. Never mind then. Yeah. For all the people that actually halfway enjoyed Halo 5 out there, uh, me. Uh, I mean, it was rough, but I enjoyed sections of it. I was playing it. That was... cutscene of Master Chief and Locke fighting is like a top five cutscene it is dope i was playing some halo 5 the other day with some of my friends because we wanted to we wanted to play through it before infinite came out but we did one play session and we were all just so wiped and tired because of just how crappy it was for us so we quit after like the third mission yeah it's what you gotta do it's not a great game but it is serviceable 
Uh, I bought the very extra special edition of it. That's the only mainline Halo game that I don't own. Mm. I mean, you do through Game Pass. I mean, physically own. Yeah. I'd... You can go get it out of a $4 bin at GameStop. Exactly, and um, I that is still too much for me to pay. Uh, Seth, what, what, what about you $3? Played? No, I will never pay for Halo 5. But if anyone wants to send me a copy... My address is redacted. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, if you don't want it, I'll take it for free. (laughs) It'll be me doing you a a favor. Mm. (laughs) I'll give it to you for $2. Ah, No, sorry, I can't do that. What about a tree fitty? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like... Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what 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 were you saying, David? <laughs> I asked you what you played. What you play. Mm. What video games have you? Video played? games? You well, you I've been playing some games on my Switch, which have recently made their way to the platform. Um, <laughs> I the first was Death's Door, um, which was the. It, it came out, I think, over the summer on Xbox, and a bunch of people liked it. And I, you know, I got it on Xbox, but never ended up playing it. But when it was on Switch, I thought, you know, this seems like the if a platform that I'll actually play it on. Um, it was uh, it's a Devolver game developed by Acid Nerve, who uh, you may remember their game their previous game titan souls which is which was just kind of like a top-down uh you can guess by the name it's sort of (laughs) aping um the dark souls formula of the the whole game was just kind of big giant boss battles in like a top-down format sort of um zelda style combat uh with death's door they opened it up and created an actual um zelda uh, n- maybe not Zelda style, but in in that kind of vein of um, the Super Nintendo, the these not not huge RPGs, but these they're in these little packages. Um, it's uh, visually, it's a really cool looking game. It's got a really cool art style. The music in it is um, it's it's really. It's not it, it's not like super noticeable, but um, but it's it's kind of all of the music is meant to be background music, and and it really works. Um, but the game itself is about you play this, you take on the role of this crow, who is basic who works for this um, grim reaper bureaucracy, basically. Um, and at the beginning of the game, you clock in the work and you're tasked to go. Um, hunt down this this creature soul bring it back to the soul bank and even before you while you're like in the office you can talk to the other crows and they talk about um like saving up vacation days and uh and even when you when you get the mission the the crow tells you that if you know if you bag this one you can you can finally take some time off um 
So it's it's just this weird little thing. And before you go into the world, they they make note that um, as long as the as long as your assignment is like still active, and when you are in the outside world, outside of this sort of um, like uh, whatever this dimension that they're in, um, the, your character can can age and can grow and can and is able to die. So the implication is that in what whatever the, these grim reapers in whatever reality that they're in, they're immortal. Um, and there's also this cool thing that while you're in the um, the headquarters, it's it's all in like grayscale, and then when you move out into the world, it's it's there's different colors. Um, but you so you fight this first boss and go to collected soul. And this other giant crow shows up and kind of whacks you on the head and takes the soul um, from you. So you follow it to this other place, um, to the top of this cliff. Uh, and there's this big door, the titular death's door, um, which is where all souls go. Uh, and the big crow says, he's like, hey, sorry for hitting you, but I needed this. Uh, because he, a long time ago, was on an assignment and the soul... Um, that he was sent to find uh, was stuck behind death's door um, and he and now your soul is the soul you need is stuck behind death's door so in order for you to both complete your assignments um, you have to find three other giant souls that will give you the the collective soul energy that will allow you to open it so from there you there are you go out there are like three main um, zones they're not really uh, like. They're sort of Zelda-style dungeons, um, and that they're each of them is kind of self-contained. But they're also, um, they're more just like a bunch of them are, are just open areas that are sort of uh, designed in that kind of, you know, puzzleish, puzzleish maze sort of thing, and with paths that, uh, you know, they double back into each other. And you have to use um, different items and abilities you gained. It's cool. The way it's set up is that, um, so the the first in the first stage, like it, what it is, there's two different areas before you fight the boss, and there's they have a really cool way of laying it out that that I enjoyed, um, in that there you are introduced to a new mechanic. Uh, in like the first stage, but it's in like sort of a limited fashion and that you don't have total control over. Um, and then once you get to the end of that stage, you go into sort of this um, these like horde encounter rooms. And once you finish them, you get like you get the ability that you are using in that dungeon to use wherever. And then the next the the subsequent dungeon is you, you using that ability to try and figure out how to get through. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a really uh, neat design mechanic to kind of introduce you to the um, to these powers and then fully give them to you and let you try and figure out how to use them. Um, and there is a little bit of the kind of Metroid style. You find a, an ability in one place and you are able to use it somewhere else to get different items. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of that. Um, and it's, it's, 
it's a pretty self-contained it's a pretty like um restrained package because there's only the three bosses that you the three big bosses that you have to collect the souls from um and then there's kind of a final boss sequence um and it's it was it was it's just a really really nice game really fun um the movement and the combat is is is, is really nice feeling uh it's just the the only options you have are like attacking with your sword uh and you've got these different magic and you can you have like a charge attack uh that you can also use um so they're not adding they're, there's not like a bunch of um mechanics that they're throwing in in there but yeah it's it was it was really good i really enjoyed it there's a lot of fun characters all the dialogue is great uh there's this one character um named pothead uh and he is <laughs> so named because uh his head was turned into a pot of soup um oh it's like the is, pot boy yeah uh there's this one guy who what was it? his name is jefferson i think and he is a chef that you meet who has set up shop in this like boat that is run aground um and every time you talk to him he's suspicious he very sus- suspiciously brings up how he is a human like you uh <laughs> and it turns out it's he's actually a squid uh who is control who is using his tentacles <laughs> to uh control a dead corpse of the sailor oh my um, god <laughs> but in like a fun way um, like a weekend at bernie's kind of way yeah <laughs> you know it's it's fun uh and there's some it's I it's not like a super <laughs> like philosophically deep game but it's also not just you know on the surface stuff um because it does have stuff to say about the nature of of life and death and about like uh the workplace and what it does to you so um it's a really good game. I definitely recommend it to anyone who likes games. Uh, this for sure Suplex certified. Um, other games, other two games I've been playing ki- have ki- come out more recently, um, and so I'm not super deep into them. One of them is Loop Hero, which is a game that uh, just came out on Switch. It was one I was I remember hearing about it when it came out on PC, and I was like. I really want to play this game. And, you know, it's on PC, so I couldn't. But now it's on Switch. Uh, and the they did a good job of translating what I guess were all mouse controls to, uh, like, the joysticks and the D-pad. Um, I was going to wait for like you to... I was going to wait for you to play this to see if the, the controls were good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't... Because I it knew you would feel, get it. It doesn't feel super clunky. Um... I don't know, like, if if I hadn't known that it was a PC game originally, um, I I don't think that I would I would have given it a second thought uh, uh, with the way the controls are set up, um, and it's also not like because like the game is is set on a grid, like there are it there is sort of a rigid framework for it to work in, and also because. Um, so what the game is, is you play this... Well, you don't actually play this character. Um, but at the beginning, like you, you get this kind of exposition about how the world has been 
uh, consumed by this lich. Um, kind of like Dungeon Master, like the character. Everything is gone, uh, and all the memories of everything are gone. Um, except there's this one guy, this one kid who wakes up, um, and he sees this path in front of him. Uh, and that's kind of where it starts. And this, this kid just, the, the, there's this loop, the titular loop, as it were, um, that the that this person automatically like walks around, and enemies will spawn on it, and he will fight them. Um, and so, what you are doing is, as he defeats enemies, um, they can they will either drop like equipment that you can equip to him, or cards that are um, things like uh, mountains or trees, or um, like a village, or a vampire's castle or a swamp, and you basically are placing them, you're sort of creating the map, um, and it, as you expand it, uh, different, there are different interactions between the different uh, types of cards that you are playing, and um, it, it changes the, like, the way that it works, and you're collecting resources from these things, um, which, once you finish a loop, whether you, it, whether you die or escape, um, you are using to build a village that has um, popped up in like in this this campfire that you set up. Um, after the first loop, you get there, and there's a bunch of people who sort of showed up out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I guess the story is for some reason this the kid is sort of able to remember the world, uh, and some. You're you're trying to somehow use that ability to like bring the world back from uh, its erasure, uh, and so like there's there's the cool dialogue uh, like about you, one time you talk to the villagers and and they say that um, stuff is here and then it's gone and you forget it ever was there uh, until something else comes back, um, and there's like. And one of the first things, after you build a bunch of mountains, like uh, a goblin camp can pop up. And the first time it happens, uh, the kid's like, where did you come from? And the goblins go, we remembered ourselves. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> like, I haven't gotten to the heart of what the, the mystery is. Um, I don't even know how many, like, uh, stages there are. But it's it's really fun. Um, frustrating at like some it. times because of, like, the, the random nature of it. Uh, you know, like any kind of uh, roguelike game where you don't have total control of over what you're doing. Um, that can make some loops seem a lot harder than other ones. And so yeah, it's, it's it's really it's been really it's really fun. It's interesting. So you've played a roguelike and this. I thought for the longest time that Death Store was a roguelike. Uh, yeah, I think that it it's. I it did like when it was I remember when it was revealed it did sort of I don't know if anything in the trailer indicated that but it did have the look of something that would be a roguelike. Right. And I think a lot of that is due to stuff that came out around it. Okay. Um, I, but I'm no. Glad that Death Store is is a straight up um like there is very pre-built levels that you are walking through to tell the story. Um yeah, it's it's weird. Like I I definitely had that experience when like it first came out 
and reviews were coming in, and I was reading it, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't roguelike? Uh, and even the other day, I when I was talking to Chris about it, our friend, our old friend Chris, friend of the show, he he said, wait, he he even made that comment. He's like, wait a minute, it's not a roguelike. Um, yeah, but uh, Loop Hero is for sure, um, <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I still don't. It's it's kind of frustrating in some ways um, that the way that it obfuscates everything um so like you don't really have any way of finding out the way like the interactions between cards um outside of sort of random experimentation um at some point you can unlock an encyclopedia uh that will that seems let like you help. see what the cards are that you haven't unlocked um but still doesn't for the most part, they don't. Um, it doesn't like explicitly say what this stuff does, uh, and so it can be. It's, it can be hard when you're trying to figure that stuff out, or when you inadvertently create a a worse situation for yourself by placing a tile down somewhere that, in hindsight, it should it sh- probably shouldn't have gone there, uh, or maybe it should have gone there if you wanted the extra challenge. Um, because there is, it's cool, there is reward in this game for challenging yourself or for making it harder on yourself because more enemies that you're killing means more tiles and more items that you're getting. Right. Um, more loot. So there's like a balance that you have to strike there. It's, it's really good. It's really addicting. It's, it's got, you know, the, I think one of the key things that a roguelike game needs to have is that sense of, uh, that just one more. Um, it's it's weirder in this game because the loops aren't necessarily quick. Um, and I was about to ask you how going. long how long a loop is on average. You think? Yeah, because I know sure. if I start, I know if I start a new run of Hades, I'm going to be alive for maybe thirty forty five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't yeah. know if they're that long. Um, the way it works is there's a so as you place cards down a bar like a, there's a bar that fills up and once it fills up it spawns the boss of the stage um, and so then you have to go fight it well you don't have to fight it uh, the boss spawns on your camp and once you finish get to the end of the loop and get to the camp so every time you get to the camp um, you stop uh, and you have a chance to leave with all of the items that you have collected. And it also heals you a little bit. Um, when the boss is there, like you still have that chance to leave um, or fight it. And so when you beat it, you've beat that level. And there are, it's more like chapters, I guess. Because um, once you beat the first level, it unlocks level two, which has like slightly stronger enemies um, and other different modifiers. Uh, but it's still just the same kind of loop that you're going through. Right. Um, but even after you after you beat the boss, you can still keep playing the loop, um, like indefinitely. The, I guess the only thing that would stop you is reaching um, the like the cap of resources that you can collect. Um, so it, it it really all depends on how long you want to go, uh, and definitely. As you unlock more stuff, 
um, the loops become shorter, at least if you're playing the previous stages, just because um, different... The, the, you are definitely unlocking... When getting new tiles that you can use that make your character stronger a lot faster um, than, like, when you first start. And there is, you know, the same thing inher inherent to every roguelike in that you are passively gaining knowledge of what works together uh, that you don't have in the beginning. Um, right. But there is still, after, especially after, like, an annoying death um, or... I mean, most, most of these, when you get that feeling, the one more feeling, it's usually after a death. Uh, and some, sometimes uh, they can come in, in random places. A lot of times it's like if you, you just kind of end up with a, with a board that doesn't really help you, um, uh, that, can, that can be times that you're like, okay, I'm just going to end this and try and start over. Um, yeah, it's, but it's really fun. I've, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, final game I just started playing the other day, um, Puzzle Knight, uh, or Shovel Knight Puzzle Dungeon. Um, it's really fun. It's a great little, uh, action puzzler. Um, it's kind of, it's a falling blocks, like matching gems type thing, but, mm. um, you are playing Shovel, Shovel Knight or any of the other knights that you unlock walking around on this board and, and like hitting the blocks to... Um, to destroy them, uh, and some of a lot of them are enemies that will attack you back. So you have like a health bar, and there are potions that are constantly dropping, um, different items. It's really fun. Um, it's got a really. I really like the art style. Um, like when it first popped, I was like, "Ooh, this has got kind of like a Game Boy Advance, um, Mario and Luigi kind of vibe," uh, and it. I think it really works in. The in in the actual games in the map, I feel like it's it's not as successful. Um, the music's good. It's you know, Shovel Knight music. Um, oh, admittedly, I I've always liked Shovel Knight more kind of in theory than in actually playing it. It's never really hooked me, even though when I do play it, it's like yeah, this is like a finely built game. So I don't have um, this like great knowledge of the tunes or any kind of nostalgia built up on them but um like i still think i still think they're pretty good um what was the there was one other thing i was gonna say but now i can't remember it but i i really liked it um oh there is this weird thing uh, i don't know if you guys david you played like cadence of hyrule right or have <laughs> you played either of the any of the crypt I, of the necrodancer I games mean, i started it and really tried i so um, this has this sort of thing. So the game isn't like, I mean, it has similarities in that, um, blocks are constantly falling at a certain rate. Uh, but if you move, it causes them to, to fall down, to uh, go yes. down one, or it'll cause, you know, if, if anything is going to happen when you move, it makes it happen instantly. Um, and there is also like, all of the the music is like strict four four, um, so very easy to follow. I beats. was about to say, and it's kind of and it's like sort of bounce all the the you know the sprites kind of bounce with the music, um, and you know it's got this the same kind of grid 
like not really a grid, but there's specific like squares that you're moving on. And so when I'm playing, I fall into this trap where I want to move in time with the music, which you don't have to do at all. Um, and it's actually kind of not a f- useful to do it because if you're just constantly making these moves in, in time with the beat, sometimes you're not really paying attention. And so there are times where I like feel compelled to take an action that ends up killing me only because for some reason I have forced myself to play to the beat of the music. And there are times that I have to be like intentionally forcing myself to not play on beat. Um, so it's like, it's, it's this weird thing that it's not, it's definitely not designed in the game, like as the way to play, but my brain, uh, the way it's wired just goes in that direction. And I bet it'll do that for a lot of people. Um, that you just sort of start to press out of instinct because of the the beat, and it at least is a really frustrating death. That after the end, it's like, why did I do that? There was no reason. <laughs> I could have just waited and done something else, but no, this thing was right there and it was on beat, so I had to hit it. Um, but it's it's really fun. It's super addicting. Um, really, really fun. I definitely wholeheartedly. I'm not. I'm barely into it, and I can already say it's suplex certified. It's just, it's a blast. Nice. And that's all. Oh, nice. I, I think. I mean, it has been like three weeks since we last. Um, met yeah, up. yeah. So I'm Listen, sure there are other games that I've been playing. I would ask Forrest if there's anything know. else he played, but we need to go to a break. Can but, I quickly run it through then? Sure. I fin- what else have you played? Uh, I finished Super Metroid, so I'm moving on to Metroid Fusion, um, and I'm also playing through the Pokemon Diamond remake, having a good time with it. Uh, mm. may- maybe wait for if it ever goes on sale for like $30, but it is exactly what I wanted out of the game, though. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, also, I would like to do the preemptive surplex certification of Halo Infinite, uh, before you finish it, David, because I think you're going to agree with me. Come you can you can certify week. it. You beat it. I am. That's Our what I'm saying. Certifications are that's, individual. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm doing it before we do the full talk about it. Um, over the next few episodes, Halo Infinite is absolutely cer- suplex certified. All right. Yep. I also I just remembered I played this game on Xbox called XO One, where you uh, control this orb that rolls yeah, around on alien it. planets. Do you ponder um, it? No. Uh, but what you what you do is like in order to move it, you have it has this ability to like increase gravity. And so you go as you go down hills, you'll increase the gravity which allowed it to pick up speed and you let it go and it'll launch off the end, ends of other hills. That sounds um, pretty fun. Not gonna and lie. then it can flatten out and turn into like this glider. Um, and the game there really isn't much to the game outside of uh, flying around, rolling and flying like around enough. different landscapes. Um, sounds like enough. This, uh, yeah, it really is. Like, um, there is this kind of sort of s- mystery story uh, going on behind it about uh, this team of astronauts who went to Jupiter and got lost. Um, but you know, it's 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 not really integral to the experience. It's just it's a really like pleasing. Like it's 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 really good flow state kind of game where it's just really nice to do and the visuals are yeah. really good. Um, 
So that's that's what I can recommend. It's on Game Pass, uh, and you can just play it for like you know like twenty minutes and be like, yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Heck yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, I I don't have anything else I played. I played significantly less than everyone, uh, but that's because I also spent a lot of time uh, playing the new Fortnite chapter. Uh. I figured no one wanted to hear about that. But they you did upgrade right. it. You're, they upgraded you're it right. to Unreal Engine Five, so there's uh, there's like new physics and stuff in it, which is kind of fun. Is this one of the first games mm. like that is out currently? That's on. It Unreal is one 5? of the first games. It is one of the well, first like, games. Ever. Like Miku, like Hatsune Miku. It's <laughs> just the it's just the first game. Yes. Um, it is one of the. F- I think it's the first or one of the first Unreal Engine Five games out there right now. Technically. Wow. Because they shifted over with this season. Yeah. The Rock is in it, baby. And Joel McHale. And. What? Where's the Joel McHale coming from? Uh, he voices the scientist. You told me this the yes. other week. I uh, forgot. That's <laughs> I was hoping that he was uh, performing in his role as host of The Soup. Yeah, yeah honestly. I mean, basically, he is that. He talks about how handsome he is and how dumb. The foundation is, which the foundation is the rock. <laughs> Not a rock, but the uh, rock. I see. Yeah. Um, Dwayne the Rock, the Tooth Fairy Johnson. Yes. Um, yeah, Fortnite lore is weird. Uh, but I played the live event. That was my first time ever doing the live event. Nice. Uh, and it was kind of neat and interesting to know that I was experiencing it with a bunch of other people. Yeah. And, it's like it was, a community yeah, it was fun. event. You um, know, it's like a nice get together. I played it with Chris, a uh, friend of the show, and the kiddos that he watches. Um, so it's like uh like there's like fifteen of us doing it and the kids are screaming. It was hilarious. because uh, they take it way more seriously because they're, you know, ten or twelve. Yeah. And it was dope to get some of that serotonin secondhand serotonin from them uh you know oh, to be a this kid is, again yeah it's life-changing for them and uh, they're like they were watching a game they play every day like the map completely changed they'll never play they like one of them was like guys we'll never see this map again and you probably will but in a different shape uh like it'll be a little different but yeah <laughs> I, I mean he's right the new map is completely different but it was fun. It's interesting. Um, so sometimes you got to remove yourself from a little bit of the cynical perspective and be like, as a 12 year old, this is really crazy. Yeah. And it's like nuts. Tap into that mindset you were in when you originally fell in love with video games. Yeah. 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 Um, so, all right. Uh, with that, we are going to take a break. And we'll be right back with the underwhelming news. Hi, Big Joe here, and I'm here to tell you to check out Suplex the Sticks on all social media platforms at at Suplex the Sticks. Links for the socials and the invite to our Discord are in the show notes below. Subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're at it, let your friends know about the podcast. It's the best way to help us grow our community. And with that, back to the show. And we're back. Hopefully you're still with us after I said we're going to have underwhelming news. 
Uh, and that's because we all lived through the Game Awards last week. Uh, when I say we lived, uh, little do you know, listener, that we all got together to watch the Game Awards, and we were going we to did. record. We were going to record a lot of podcasts together in the same room afterwards. And, and that, but then it was midnight. It was midnight, <laughs> yeah, and I the did. wind was sucked out of our sails uh, from watching. Definitely out of your sails, because yeah. Of- some of the things that happened. I actually wasn't feeling too bad that night after the Game Awards ended. Uh, well, that's because you didn't... Your Most of your night wasn't taken up watching them. You I, were watching them, but you were working and half paying attention to them. Sure. It was I, a long shift at work that day, though. Like, I don't right, know. but I spent four hours dedicated sitting and being advertised to <laughs> instead of it like being passively advertised to yeah so i don't know i i think that work is tough and i agree that work could be exhausting but sitting down in undivided attention for four hours to jeff Keeley was rough <laughs> to watching four hours you, of ads you does, truly does can you? you truly can only do it once a year yeah somehow i did it twice oh there was the summer games fest yeah oh my god mm. i remember not watching that I Listen, was also at work was, when that was going on. It was worth it for Elden Ring. Uh, that Elden Ring footage was so worth it. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about... We're just going to talk about highlights from this Game Awards. Um, can we sure. talk about the four Elden Ring level like. announcements? So Jeff Keighley, before this Game Awards happened, because <laughs> he can't stop himself. Uh, he can't help it. He, he let out that he believes that there was four to five Elden Ring footage level announcements for this uh, Game Awards that, that everyone was watching. Now, I don't know. I would love to sit Jeff Keighley down and ask him what he thinks that means. Because there was maybe... There was... We... Can consensus say that we all know what the first one was? Yes. The first one was definitively the Alan Wake 2 announcement. Yes. Uh, this was such a... Oh, man. What a great... Oh, it was so good. Like, we were all in the room and everyone was talking. I remember, David, like, when it first started, you made some side comment about the way the game looked. And I was like, shut up, shut up. I think that's Alan Wake talking. And then it was. And it was just... It was like a really fast trailer. Um, Chris yelled so, sort of a, like it's an ocean not a lake or whatever he <laughs> yelled it yep. it was great yes it was uh, oh, it was so good and then they talked to the they talked to Sam Lake and uh, he said it's going to be an open world survival game which I think is, in, is is really neat and I'm definitely interested to see how they incorporate that into the story uh, and I'm I'm really curious how many uh how many coffee thermoses that it will be littered around the world? <laughs> I'm excited to play Alan Wake One. I'm gonna. It's twenty bucks right now, the the remaster. Uh, so I'm gonna jump in and play it because I I haven't do before. it. And I, I think I to. will as well. I need to do that. It was gonna be our spooky game. Yep. And then it, it didn't. wasn't. <laughs> so. Oh man. 
Um, then Personally, the second the second Elden Ring level announcement for me was when they showed Reggie. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. So I think that Jeff Keighley thinks that that Star Wars announcement was an Elden Ring level announcement. I'm sure it was for a lot of people. It wasn't for you because of what when you found out what the game was. Because you were super stoked about, you're like, oh, is this is this High Republic stuff? And, uh, and all the cool stuff they were showing until they showed the Quantic Dream logo. Uh, and I've never I seen someone reminded you that, that this was the... A di- the David Cage studio, you were very sad. I've never seen someone's like energy levels go from 100 to zero so fast. It was very sad to see, honestly. I get it. I was broken. I, I don't need to see... <laughs> st- oh, here's the thing. We don't need to go on this rant today. Star Wars is already full of aliens that... Seemingly represent cultures poorly sometimes, and uh, other uh, you don't fo- say, yeah. So there's there's already enough problems in the medium in and of itself, yeah. And then you add a creator like David Cage, who is leads a studio that is known to be full of racism, uh, sexism and bad worker treatment practices uh like just and he keeps getting away with it and continually sues reporters that tried to report on these things um and to see that studio given uh the treatment of getting to make the first non-ea Star Wars game. The first High Republic era. And the first High Republic era Star Wars game. I mean, you got that Star Wars Hunters game coming out. That's not EA. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's Zynga. EA owns Zynga. Oh, Oh, that's right. Bah! Zynga. I think they do. Um, I would have to look it up. I don't know about that, if if that's true offhand, but it also could be true. Um... But yeah, I. It just makes me sad, really. Uh, and you know, it, it's whatever. It, I, I, you know, I might end up playing it, but I'm not like happy about it. Here's um, what you could do to completely free yourself of guilt: is buy it secondhand. No, no, because the thing is, I also think that David Steal Cage it. and Quantic Dream doesn't make games Ooh. that I'm interested in. That's fair. Because they're choose-your-own-adventure, which but look, also... You love you love watching the Star Wars movies. Now you just get to play one. <laughs> but So my, my main issue also is that uh, Star Wars is so, at least Disney has made it to where Star Wars is so obsessed with what is the true canon and having a true canon introducing choose your own adventure stories to this kind of jacks up some of that uh a little bit so yeah they'll definitely have to alter what their model of game making is but i think that could allow for some more interesting avenues of what they're doing um because you know constraints like that often uh are what birth the, the coolest ideas um 
I don't know. I like I, I haven't played any of the Quantic Dream games, so I don't really have an opinion on the gameplay itself. Um, I just know what I've but, watched online. But for sure, this was a big announcement for other people, and you can't you can't say that that trailer wasn't dope. No, I've watched it like fifteen times. It's one of the most stunning things I've ever seen, and I adore it uh, wholeheartedly. And I think that it nails the vibe of the old Republic and the Outer Rim, and the some of the sweeping cityscapes we saw of Coruscant and other planets. And yeah. I, I'm I genuinely it <laughs> it nails Star Wars to a T, uh, you know but it still makes me sad who's making it. Uh, just like the surprisingly absent from the Game Awards, in my opinion, was the Harry Potter uh, game yeah. trailer, or Harry Potter game. You know, we figured we'd see more of that from at this point. Um, I appreciate and love everything about that trailer, but it still, I'm saddened by the person that made Harry Potter. Like, it. You know, it's it's nails everything that I want it to be, but I it's I have a hard time separating that stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, All I know is that Harry Potter game better have a dedicated magical way your poop button. <laughs> <laughs> Let's God, make this a real really, Harry Potter sim. She really yeah. can't ruin. She just is obsessed with ruining that lore. Uh Anyway, what else were the big Elden Ring level I think announcements? She think, I think that Jeff Keighley thinks the Matrix tech demo was a uh, was a Elden Ring level announcement. But like, yeah, it was that was the teased, last thing they showed off. But it was teased like a um, like within the week leading up to it, and that it was, it was an also, unreal. It wasn't experience. teased; it was leaked. Yeah, That's it was not also teased. spoiled it was before leaked. the show happened Spoils. by the host of the show. Yeah, yeah. like it. I don't know. I they Regardless, did. it's not Elden Ring level for me. It was right, but that I'm telling what he thinks is Elden Ring level. Regardless, what you think Elden Ring level is, because it you've got to understand he has a he, has he a doesn't lo- really like Elden Ring. That's the he, thing. <laughs> he loves Green Day. So Ooh. I mean, I mean, I maybe will- Sting was an Elden Ring level reveal. Okay, uh, so I, he also he didn't say reveals. He just said that I I think that was the issue is that um like I think he the footage of um more Elden Ring of Hellblade <laughs> uh, 2. I think he pro- that yeah. probably is something that was lumped in there. But of course that wasn't an announcement. That was something we already knew about and yeah. we're just seeing more of. Um, I think we looked it up that night which, too for like clarification was, on his wording. Yeah, and like it, admittedly, like Hellblade was like it was a really, really good looking trailer. Um, I still am not sure what that game is. Like, uh, it it's why? a uh, manifestation of just literally what anxiety uh, feels like in game form. That's all I can no, I'm get out about, of it. I'm talking about the second one. Oh, are you talking about the second one? Yeah, that trailer just, at the Game Awards just made me stressed. Well, sure, but but look, it, <laughs> not I'm, in a good way. I'm just saying, like this from what they've shown, it seems like a more straightforward action game, um, whereas the original one was kind of 
a lot psychological and also in the mind of the character. So I like, you know, I don't know what that game is, but I am interested in it. But yeah, it's not something that I would watch and say, oh, yeah, this is this is on par with when they showed off Elden Ring after like five years or whatever, however long it was. Um, but I think because of the prestige of the studio um, and the kind of the the ridiculous detail and, and visuals of the game, um, I think that's probably something that was in that he would have considered that kind of Elden Ring level. I know something I consider <laughs> that level of announcement, which I think only our good friend Quack in the Discord would agree with me on, and you guys won't, is uh, Persona 4 Arena Ultimax getting a re-release. <laughs> <laughs> like, that made me so uh... mad, because the woman said before she announced it, this is a announcement you never saw coming. And I was like, that's wait a second. That's because Persona 5 has effectively ruined the Persona series no, now. I don't care about you that. You mean it gave I, it new life. I, yeah, I was about to say, it made it relevant. Okay. Uh, I care about the fact that she used a reference to 5. When it wasn't. When it had nothing to do with 5. five. Because yeah, 5 I is ruined... Was, Retroactively I think that's because no one would know any w- if she was making references to four. Listen, nobody who picked up five she couldn't is go going baby, to baby, 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 baby. <laughs> I guess that was three. <laughs> uh, like, listen, the people who are going to pick up and play uh, four arena are not like they're probably people they, who have already they, played it. Let's be yeah. Real. Like it, they're fighting game people because that game was made by Arc System Works. Yeah, it's a, it's really a very, good. it is, it is. I have but just the, released Persona Five Arena. I mean, I do and agree. Has, That'd be cool. It has the and you could use the Persona Five reference. You know, towards that announcement. Regardless, I'm very excited to have Four AU back. That's a very fun, like, it. there's a very low barrier for entry for new players. So it's like, it's just like a fun fighting game when you add the fellows over. So let me ask you something. Does yes. Ultimax also include the stuff from just the Persona 4 Arena before, like, the original release? Or is yeah. it a sequel to that? It's, it's kind of both. Like, um, it has, if I'm remembering correctly, it has all that original... P4A content, but it also like expanded the roster by almost okay. twice the size and added in an expanded story mode and stuff. I see. So yeah. I, I, I was like, I don't know why what I read, but at some point I had this like, I don't know. I, I just thought that these were two separate games and one was um, strictly a sequel, at least like story wise, to the other one because. Uh, Persona 4 Arena was is, is a canonical extension of the Persona 4 story, which is pretty cool. And yeah. that's Ultimax after that. Um, and so, like, it was something was like, it's weird that they're uh, they're releasing the, the third sequel of this story without the <laughs> first one. But um, knowing that it includes both, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, no, it actually is a sequel to Persona 4 Arena. 
Well, it, it is, but I, my question after, was... Oh, does it contain arena? Yeah. It, right. Oh, I have no clue. That's crazy. Also, having the sequel to be a fighting game? Listen, uh, Persona was a really weird series before, like, 5 came out. They were doing everything five they could. 5 was weird. Sure, but, like, that entire series was doing everything it could to not make persona 5 and instead milk persona 4 as much as they could they really were um you just had to have been there david but you didn't mm. care like i wasn't no. i wasn't even <laughs> playing those games back then but i i do remember like all of the successive releases of it um and like it's something that they've done like they did it with 5 too with the like the dancing it's hard to say what is canon and what is not but the sequel to base persona 5 is a as a a dynasty warriors game uh, a muso game yeah um and also the the expanded version but it's it's also not canonical to the expanded version of persona 5 so it's you know it's weird they they do weird stuff with um the sequels to those games i mean at one point people it's obviously didn't pan out but um, people were sort of expecting them to announce like a racing game. Um, so yeah, I'm it's, still it's not waiting like... for Bloodborne Cart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll happen one of these anyway. Days. Back to the game awards. Uh, I also thought I thought the Forspoken gameplay looked looked pretty cool. I didn't get to see game that, that I I, yeah, I, I forgot about, that. and then they it popped back in. I missed it because I had to go let Forrest into the house. Sorry, bud. Oh, well, it's it's pretty cool looking. Um, it definitely seems to... it. You can definitely tell it shares DNA with Final Fantasy XV. And also, apparently, they have like a dedicated parkour battle system in it. So who knows if that will be... Like, how that will work. Um, if it... Like, if it will feel good. But the game looks really pretty. <laughs> if and it'll looks work. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, there's the announcement of the Wonder Woman game. I I feel like Kaylee thinks that's a Elden Ring level announcement. Yeah, sure. I think I'd give it too. Wonder Woman game. I'm pretty excited uh, for it. I'm mostly really out <laughs> after it was all said and done. I was mostly excited for uh, there was a Telltale announced yes uh, Expanse game. Which the expanse is a series, not on Telltale, but the tel- the the studio uh, that was founded by ex Telltale devs. I think it's still called Telltale. Uh, I could be wrong. Allow me to That's look part it up, of the weirdness I, of it is they're still using the name. I have the list right here. Um, no, because Telltale. No, what happened was Telltale. They fired all their people and then hired a bunch of new people and kept the name Telltale. It is titled The Expanse colon A Telltale Series. Oh, well, maybe I'm just dumb. No, you're not dumb. Listen, it's 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 a whole weird situation. Yeah, like it, it's very um, murky. So The Expanse is a sci-fi series. Uh, it's really soft sci-fi because it's not, uh, it's very, it, they, they base it in reality somewhat. Um but it is... Wouldn't that make it hard sci-fi? Yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, 
So it's it's just it's good sci-fi and you know it's a complicated dramatic mix of um people that live in the asteroid belt called belters um and earth and people that live on mars um and the complicated uh political machinations that drive them into conflict and it's very very good the book series is good the tv show is good and hopefully this game itself is good um and also there's a Dune 4X game announced, which I'll never get to play because I don't have a PC. But um, I'll get to look at it from afar and be like, oh, look, a Dune 4X RTS game. Uh, give me that. And I'll watch someone play it because I won't be able to. Well, for your sake, I hope it sucks. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so you don't I mean, feel like I you're want. missing out. Right. So... That's so nice of you, Seth. There wasn't too much at the Game Awards that really grabbed me. We Um, can also talk about uh, It Takes Two, which brought, (laughs) uh, at least in our watching party, created a bit of controversy when it won Best Multiplayer Game, which we could uh, talk day and night about whether a co-op game and a multiplayer game imply the same thing. (laughs) Um, Won Best Family Game... Uh, which... Which should have been 12 minutes. No, look... (laughs) I... Cool, buddy. The game... The game has Uh, a very... A very uh, family-friendly look, but not, like, really family-friendly content. Like, it's not bad content, but it's not something that you would want your kids to be watching, unless you want them to be traumatized. Um, and also then took Home Game of the Year. What? I said, don't you want your kids to play through your divorce? <laughs> uh, it also took home game of the year, which, uh, you know, you can think what you may about it. As far as, like, the big the big games for game of the year, uh, I, I think any of them. It's, of the nominees, it was probably a, a weaker year. Definitely not one you could compare to last year. Um, so I didn't really feel either way about... Like any of those games could have won, and I probably wouldn't like. Okay. Uh, you know, I didn't have a very passionate uh, feeling about any of the games of the year. Um, I liked Ratchet a lot, and I think that that probably should have won. But uh, I definitely didn't have It Takes Two winning on my bingo card. Um. It seemed, uh, and you know what? I have to be honest. I don't think I would love to see the true fan, like, because the game awards is always this weird mix of fan votes versus industry votes. I would love to see what the fans voted, uh, for, uh, cause I don't think it was, it takes two. And, um, I, I could imagine it was, it was probably sp- split between a lot of them. Um, yeah, just depending on who was voting, because like there wasn't that one game that sort of stood out, um, and the the fan bases of the games, uh, it's not like there were these huge dedicated followings. Um, I mean, you could say maybe for Metroid and for Ratchet and Clank that they probably had a a bigger 
footprint of people who are like hardcore fans. But like I don't, I think it would, you would probably find that they were. It was pretty evenly split. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for me, Metroid Dread won Best Action Adventure, so I'll take that. Yeah. I don't need it to get good. I didn't think it was them. weird that Doug Bowser accepted the award and not anyone from uh, the actual studio. Since the yeah. studio was behind him. Yeah. There's so. developers there. In the row yeah, behind why him. Why wouldn't they come? Uh, I'm sure Nintendo's it's a Nintendo weird. thing. This is yeah, also... Like they don't... Because it was technically a first-party game, even though it was developed by, like, it wasn't developed in-house. Yeah. Um, so uh, probably. We, we made note of this, too, that we think this may be one of the first public appearances of Doug Bowser. Um, yeah. Since, at, since like, he was announced. Like, I haven't seen him anywhere. Yeah. Like, he, he's definitely not as... Um, he's not Reggie. Yeah, he's not Reggie. Or Iwata. Like, they were making appearances every everywhere. Yeah. But I think also the landscape has kind of changed. Uh, like, back when when those two were, at like, showing up all the time, that was, like, prime Nintendo Direct years when they were kind of... Um, when the sort of digital uh, shows and announcements was... Basically, they were the only ones who were doing it. Yeah, um, like they were the marketing, right? And so they were as as like their their uh, you know their blue ocean um, ideas that they talk about. Like <laughs> it makes sense that they would keep showing up in this uh, area where no one else was doing anything. Um, so it I guess it sort of makes sense now that it's kind of pervasive across the industry that they don't. They don't need to be like as public facing about it as much, but yeah, uh, it was it was interesting to see Doug out there and actually hear him talk. Because um, you don't really know what kind of guy he is. Like Ricky, yeah, he, I he, still he don't. had a very public persona, um, and you you obviously we didn't know him, but we it, he was out there enough that you felt like you know him. And with Doug Bowser, it's like who is this guy? But yeah, that was yeah. Cool. Um. What else stood out for me? I don't know. A lot of, you know, there's, uh, there's, it's more so the stuff that was missing from it, uh, in my opinion. Like, there was no Nintendo at this show. There was no, uh, like, it just, it seemed like there was a lot of stuff that could have been at it that wasn't. Just kind of a bummer. Well, you can say that about any of these showcases. Um, and also Nintendo, like historically, they haven't really had big stuff for um, these events. Like there was, they had a little indie world blurb, and that I think sh- did show some um, some new games in it, or at least pr- uh, previously like on um, not like unrevealed, but unadvertised games. Uh, that they put a little bit of a focus on. So, Rem- like, I wasn't like really <laughs> expecting something huge from, or really much of anything from Nintendo. Remember, like, but I, th- I, I don't think, think it's really fair. The only reason that you have this idea is because of Jeff Keighley saying that there were going to be these huge events in the thing, and then there weren't what you would consider those. The last, of the last like three or four years has the precedent that. 
there's at least like one thing from Nintendo. I mean, remember like two years ago, I think it was where I think the only thing I remember from Nintendo was that they kept having a commercial that said Nintendo Switch has games. No, they did. Well, Bayonetta I mean, that look, year. last year, their big thing was Sephiroth. Uh, a couple years before yeah. that was uh, Joker. Um, but there's no more three. Smash characters. Yeah, but they had Bayonetta 3 to, in that one space. They showed off Breath of the Wild at one of the Dagum Game Awards. Like, I'm not saying it's weird. I'm just saying, like, it's it's a noticeable gap. Yeah. In my opinion. Especially when in an off year they announced a Smash character. Like, uh, the, the completely digital one. Uh, I don't know. Um... You also, it, I think also some of that does have to do with the fact that um, uh, Reggie is not running that stuff anymore. Like, they just have, it's a different person in charge, so they are going to have kind of a different uh, focuses and strategy on different things. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I wasn't really expecting much from that. And I got Alan Wake, which was... The exact thing that I never knew that I needed. I mean, I did want it, but I just didn't expect it to be there. So I left satisfied over the things that they advertised to me. So, so the, the year that they are asking for me, <laughs> the year that all of us are thinking that they didn't announce anything, which is 2019, uh, it's because they did announce a new game. It's just one that none of us cared about. And that's Bravely Default 2 was announced on the Game Awards. Oh my gosh, I remember that now. I remember being so tilted. (laughs) Oh, solely because of the naming convention. Yeah. Uh, So that was ridiculous. It's I like I'm not I'm not saying like it's a daggum tragedy that Nintendo wasn't (laughs) revealing anything at this thing. I'm just saying it is a a crime. I didn't go in thinking. Nintendo's going to release something big. It's just a noticeable thing that I was like, oh, that's weird. There's not one thing. So. Yeah. It's, fine. it's just kind of an, it's a trap of, of expectations, even if they're not expectations. Uh, but you still, you still have sort of like a baseline thing of, of what you think should, would make sense to be there. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's you know it's it's not really fair to to <laughs> compare also, the show that as it hap- as it existed to the show that existed in your mind. But I it would have been cool to see something. But I also personally was not expecting Nintendo to do much of anything. Also, shout now, out to Adam in the chat. But I don't know all these people that think that Bioshock Four was going to be at this thing. That's unrealistic expectations. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. There's a lot of weird stuff out there on Twitter. That now, I will get down with the conspiracy this. theory that Nintendo, if Metroid Prime had one game of the year, or, or if Metroid Dread had one game of the year, that they would have showed off gameplay of the Prime remake. And that's why they didn't show it. Because ah. <laughs> they, <knew, laughs> they knew beforehand that they weren't going to win. Bold. Oh, there's, that's out there? N- I don't think so. I just made it up. Yeah, I like it. I like that conspiracy theory. But it seems like a thing that you could get people to believe. 
Yeah, they held back from Jeff because uh, they gave it to It Takes Two. Because, like, we absolutely know they have games that they could have shown. Like, right, if we know anything thing. about Nintendo is that they have completed games that are just not released. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, many of them. Uh, I don't know if there's many, but there's certainly one or two. Supposedly uh, anyway. a Donkey Kong floating out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always hear um, about that one. Since we said, uh, not to, I don't know if you had anything else about the Game of the Awards. Game of, no, game of I'm the done. Awards. Uh, I just want to say, as, have a nice we're talking death about Nintendo. Cool. What? Uh, there was a game that was shown off called Have a Nice Death that I think looks cool, but that's all I got. Oh, uh, yeah. is that the game that looked like Hollow Knight that David got mad when people said that? Yeah. Hmm. yeah yep, sure. that's fun. Uh, but. On the topic of Nintendo, they had an Indie World showcase today that we can also talk about. Yes. Which is really the only other... It's amazing how in three weeks there just really wasn't much happening. But the Indie World is a sort of a notable thing in that there was no Hollow Knight and no sports <laughs> story. Yeah. Uh, but certainly I, some interesting stuff. Y'all, y'all didn't get fed, unfortunately, but I did because I got a River City Girls 2 trailer. There you go. I, yeah. I'm not saying I didn't get fed. I was really excited that they announced Chicory is going to be on Switch. I mean, it's on Switch today, too. I was previously <laughs> only on uh, PlayStation. Yes, um, Chicory, the game every- I, th- I thought was already on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah. Every, basically, everyone that I know, like that I've read and that I've... Uh, I don't know anyone personally that's played it, but uh, that I like follow on Twitter that's played it says it's really good. So yeah, that that worked for me. And there was this one I don't know what it was called, but this RPG that was announced at the end of it. Um, it was weird because they they did like a oh one more thing, and then it was this weird like hand drawn Japanese. Uh, RPG, but when they showed the the um, Omori is what it was called when they when they showed the name, it was like, oh wait a minute, I've actually seen that name on the internet before, and everyone says it, it's it's supposed to be like this really acclaimed game, so that's cool. Hmm. I was really uh, hoping you guys would update me on everything because I just I watched it on mute and didn't like pay attention because I was only hoping for Sports Story or Hollow Knight. Well, I completely forgot that it was today uh, and I was too busy playing Halo. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I... (laughs) I just just completely skipped it, unfortunately. Usually, Usually I don't skip things like this, but I had just... I... (laughs) This is going to sound terrible. I really... Wasn't it, there's so many games I want to play right now that I was like the only thing that's going to get me to care is one of these two things. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, um, but I think that's sort of with these indie showcases. For the most part, you can always like there's you can always expect there's stuff that's going to drop immediately. Um, but for the most part, it's stuff that's coming out in the future. Uh, right. And so I think like. It's just you watch these and be like, "Oh yeah, that's something." I'll 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 file away in the back of my mind, and when yeah, it comes out, I'll remember it and be like, "Hey, this is a game I wanted to play." Something to look out for. Yeah. Yeah. The the Ollie Ollie World game looks neat. 
Yeah. But I'll probably grab that. I really think that game looks like it could just be a mobile game, so I'll just wait for it to come to Apple Arcade, which sounds really mean, but also it looks like it's a simply controlled game that could be on a touchscreen. Um, but it looks really pretty and cool, so yeah, I'll play it. Um, yeah, the Indie World shook. Did you guys see anything else that you were super interested in in it? Uh, there was this game at it, uh, called, I think it's called like Alicia. Um, I think it looks cool, but I... Oh my gosh, when that trailer started, I was like, is this just, are they just showing Breath of the Wild? (laughs) The art style and like the particle physics, like, look exactly like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and we're starting to get like a lot of indie games lately that kind of, like, I don't know if they have necessarily high production values, but like, they are... Like, a lot of indie games are looking less and less indie. Um, That's true. Like, and this is one that really stood out to me because I, like, I was watching the trailer and I'm like, oh, man, this, like, this it looks like it's on a whole nother level than, than a lot of what I'm used to seeing from indie games. You'll have to see it. Yeah. That, that you know, getting to see people make the games they want and the art style they want and with no limitations sustainably sustainably being able to do so yeah without working themselves to the bone um all right so um seth you mentioned something earlier about i wanted to ask you if it's worth talking about you could tell me no uh but what is this analog pocket thing you were telling me about Oh, so this was um it was in the news because uh because people have gotten like hands on of it. So Analog, I don't know if you know anything about the company. They've made um like very pricey um they're essentially like I forget what the names, but they've they've like recreated like the NES and the Super Nintendo um, like down at the hardware level, but they implement, uh, like it has modern stuff. So like HDMI out and, and other stuff like that. Um, they're, they're purely for collectors, uh, who, who want to be able to play their old games in kind of the best way possible if they don't, I mean, the people who buy it probably do have the original, um, consoles, but it's just but like, like they don't have to wear and tear those already old right. consoles for future um, use. And so the most uh, I forget when they announced it, but the analog pocket is the most recent one. Um, and it's you know it plays all Game Boy games, uh, and there are um, adapters coming out for it to play like Game Gear games and Atari Lynx games. Um, but people like got hands on for it, for it today. Uh, it also has like a built-in, um, I don't know what you call it. It's sort of like a synthesizer, like a music maker. Oh, um, oh I remember hearing like, about this. It, yes. Yeah, but it's got like it's got this dock um, that you can plug it and play that stuff uh, on the TV. Um, but it's a thing that was like you know announced, the pre-orders went out, and then it got delayed into oblivion because of all the supply chain issues. And then they came back out uh, and reopened pre-orders, and there was a, a price the increase, uh, like a small price increase, and people have been getting hands-on with it. 
the thing that I put it in the that I put in the Discord was that um, you, if you wanted to, you could stick uh, the Game Boy camera in that baby. Uh, use the HDMI dock to Heck like yeah. to run it through like a, a game capture system and like use it as a streaming camera. <laughs> oh, no. And apparently they're that. even they're actually releasing like an OS update that will allow you to save those pictures directly to an SD card. So it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, it's like it's two hundred twenty bucks. So it's not a thing that the average person is going to want to buy. Uh, unless right. you're like a huge f- fan of old Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games and have a big collection, because it should be noted that these play, um, they're they do not they're not emulators. Yeah, like um, the, it's like, like you it, have it to is, have the game. Right, it's directly mimicking the hardware of the old Game Boy game of the old systems, and so. Um, you have to have the actual carts to play games. Um, so, like, this isn't a thing you can buy uh, and uh, install a bunch of ROMs onto it and play whatever you want. Mm. Um, so, like, it's, it's simply a, a niche collector piece, uh, but it's pretty cool. Do I want to spend $200 on something that could play Golden Sun? Honestly, that you was also what I thought. It's like, <laughs> do I want the question? Do I want to get a two hundred dollar Golden Sun machine? Yeah, because those I mean, are the two the two Game Boy Advance cards that I definitely still have. Listen, I'm if I had a copy of Metroid Fusion, I would probably have, I would probably drop the money to play it on this instead of having to go through lesser means through worse hardware. What are you using? I'm using a Chromebook to emulate them. Nice. <laughs> Chromebooks. It, it, they are good it, for emulation. It, well, mine doesn't... Uh, it could be better. Um, man, Golden Sun. Uh, yeah. I, if, I mean, I'll go find those carts. I'll buy them somewhere. But I'll spend $200 on a Golden Sun machine. <laughs> uh, I have problems. I'm aware of them. Uh, yeah, this thing is neat. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. Yeah. I figured that other people should know about it. Thank you for it. reminding me of it. I I had no clue. Yeah, that this I mean, existed. look, if you guys, I'm I'm not buying it. If you guys are gonna spend drop that two hundred bucks on it, more power to you. But Listen, it is a cool thing. You for say the people this, who, and then you're gonna come over one day and pull it out of your pocket and be playing Golden Sun <laughs> in front of me, and I'm gonna be like, "You said you weren't gonna buy this." <laughs> Like, yeah. uh, I will neither confirm or deny that that is potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listen. I've known you long enough. I, I know, <laughs> I know how it goes. Uh, uh, the question is, how much money am I willing to spend to play Golden Sun physically? Right. Um, and I think the the upward bound of that number is probably incre- like way more than I would be willing to admit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll not get into that um, since so. we're talking about physical hardware uh, I feel like we're coming to the end of uh, of the news um, yes but Sony finally did announce the new that uh, face plates and they're not really face plates but side plates for the PS5 in different colors yep 
And controllers to match. Good. Have yep. you seen so how you much they're charging for it? Yeah. You got black, you got That's purple. Stupid. How much are they charging? $85. Yeah. Ooh, that's more than I spent. Uh, yep, that's, that's why I said to my roommates, hey, if any of y'all want to, like, split this so we could spruce up the PS5 for the living room. No, just buy, sure. this, buy the better ones from D-Brand that take the fins away. Mm. I'm not opposed and to the fins. fins. And yeah. they add an extra vent. Like, it makes the system functionally better. If I still had... If I hadn't bought the D-Brand plates, the original ones, I... There's like a hundred, a ninety-nine percent chance I'd be buying these purple plates because they look sick. They the the but there's, colors. You got look purple, nice. pink, uh, light blue, and red, and black. That red looks so good. Still, I need to get that red controller. Yeah, if I used my PS5 controller more than once every three months, I know. Maybe I would. Yeah, Listen, like I would really like to. I would like to own the black controller and the purple controller, but I just cannot justify buying another controller for a system, which I really only bought to play single player games. Yeah, for um, which my controller completely works. I'm about to start using my PS5 again because I'm going to start Guardians, uh, the Galaxy. Like I have, I have a system for how I'm doing my games this month, so I had to beat Halo before I started Guardians. But why did you get Guardians on the PS5? Because I wanted to play something on my PS5. I mean, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's still just... With the... I mean, I guess it won't be an issue. that what the, the issues that game had on Quick Resume, I hesitate to think what my PS5 would do if I tried <laughs> to boot into it. Uh, just cr- you would open it and it would just crash immediately. <laughs> it would yeah. say, you didn't turn off the console properly. Yeah. This could corrupt and everything. You're like, you're like, wait a minute. I just turned this on for the first time. I've never played this game. How did I've I think ne- it was in? <laughs> God. It does it every uh, time. Yes. Every time. With the PS5. Um, I did start Demon Souls. But then I Halo. There you go. Yeah. So. I like Demon Souls a lot, a lot. Interesting. It's a good remake. I, I got to the first air. I got to the first boss that was designed to kill you. All right. Um, I'll I'll allow you to say that much, but do note that we are in the news section. I know. Um, and the very end of the episode, it's not time to start talking about another game that you play. Yeah, but yeah. it's in the relevance of barely touching the PS Five. Yeah. So. For sure. Um, and gives the the listener uh, a good um, tease for whenever that'll come. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. In the future. Uh, future. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking February. Yeah. Because uh, oh God, if I get, I need to get to it by February. Because <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, you better have it done by February, or you're never playing it. Right. Uh, that's guaranteed. Um, there's nothing coming out in January though, so. I think I'm good. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, yeah, the new colors are good. I just can't justify it. Um, Fair. And I, my PS5 hides behind the TV now because I have a bigger TV. Uh, so the PS5 and the Xbox both hide behind it as much as I yeah, think. Yeah, but if the, you had that pink, you would want to showcase that baby. No, I'd still Agreed. rather showcase the beautiful obelisk of the Xbox Series X instead because 
uh, to me, for some reason, the peak design of electronics is a black box. <laughs> is the most simplest it's, design I've ever seen. Yeah, no, that's why I love the game. It all, it all goes it's, back to, to ancient caveman times when that giant black obelisk appeared. <laughs> <laughs> and taught them how to use tools yeah. or something. Um, what happened in that movie? I don't know. And uh, Stonehenge. That's why they made... It's just a bunch of obelisks. Uh Obelisks are good. All right. If I could buy a shell, if I could buy a shell that would turn my PS5 into a rectangular object, I would do it. How do you feel about Um, Obelisk the Tormentor? I was, darn it, I was going to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who it is. Don't Uh, worry. I have Pot of Greed. (laughs) No one can stop me. (laughs) All right. Um, So we appreciate Okay, let's let's send this episode to the Shadow Realm. Uh, I appreciate everyone listening to our nonsense and um, we are going to be back on the 29th with our game of the year episode. So look forward to that. Join our discord to talk to us about some of the processes that may be going into our game of the year episode. Uh, Cause we might or rejoin our discord it. even or rejoin our discord. We, we may end up streaming this thing. We haven't mm. quite decided. On yet. the Game Boy camera. On the Game yeah. Boy camera. Uh, man, I do have a nice little stream set up right now because I was playing Digimon online. So I know. You how finally to, got it to work? Yeah. Oh, good. thank God. Um, so I, I've got a good webcam app and stuff. We could add a Game Boy filter to it for sure. <laughs> um, probably. But. Uh, we appreciate you listening and thank you for dealing with the sporadic scheduling. Uh, we're going to get all that stuff ironed out in the future and we will talk at you in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) 